Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today what we're doing is the first uh, Q&A episode that we're doing. You guys asked me some questions a couple weeks back and I'm going to answer them for you today. So before we get started, of course, this podcast is part of Northern Provisions LLC. Check out the Lethal Minds Journal, a veteran and active duty publication focusing on foreign and military affairs, art and culture. Take a look at the journal's bulletin from the borderlands a bi-weekly foreign affairs publication from multiple talented intelligence analysts and independent journalists. Head over to lethalmindsjournal.substack.com or Instagram at lethal.minds.journal to see more. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash analyze educate or at ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash analyze educate or at Substack now, we are at analyzeeducate.substack.com. You can find all those links in the bio below. And also uh, for these Q&As, precedence for questions is going to those of you who support us on any of those three platforms. So if you ask us a question over there, uh, your question gets priority if you feel so inclined to support us on those three platforms. And of course, we really appreciate all the support that you guys throw our way. That being said, we'll head into the episode. All right, uh, first question, what is my background? So uh, I was in the Marine Corps from 2014 to 2018. I was a 0311 infantry rifleman, got out, went to school, just got my bachelor's in political science from a university here in Northern California. Um, and that's that's pretty much it as far as my formal background goes. You know, I started this a few years ago, just because I uh, spent a lot of time keeping up with the news and what's going around in the world. So I figured, you know, why not start a podcast and uh, social media pages and all that. And here I am today. I'm thankful for uh, all the support you guys have given me over these past few years and, and helping me grow exponentially. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, really enjoying what I do and can't thank you guys enough for helping me get here. Second question, this is coming from War Murals. Who supports the government of Lebanon and will they get help to control Hezbollah before the situation gets out of hand? Of course, this is uh, in regards to the Israel slash Hamas war that started uh, about a week and a half ago at this point. Most of these questions have to do with, with that war. Um, and Lebanon is increasingly becoming a player in this conflict, right, we're, we're having a massive uptick in border clashes between Hezbollah, Lebanese Hezbollah, and uh, the Israeli Defense Forces. Cross-border clashes, you know, uh, anti-tank missile strikes, artillery, drones, the works, mortars, all that, all that sort of stuff's going on. So who supports the government of Lebanon? I mean, the Lebanese government is, is incredibly weak. Um, you know, Israel itself actually came out recently and said that it, it pretty much sees the government of Lebanon and Hezbollah as one and the same. Again, the government of Lebanon is incredibly weak. Hezbollah is, is a major player in Lebanon. And and for all intents and purposes, they I mean, they could really do whatever the hell they want. Uh, Lebanese government is is really powerless to stop them, you know, if, if it even wanted to in the first place. Right. Because you have obviously you have different factions and Lebanon and people with different belief systems, and some are more uh, inclined to support Hezbollah than than others, right? I'm not too sure about this current government, but either way, they're they're powerless to stop it. Um, and I feel like 
you know, this this question definitely uh, definitely look at this differently now, because just for the record, it is October 17th. It's about uh, seven o'clock p.m. here in Northern California, like I was saying. And uh, this is, you know, a few hours after this this hospital explosion in Gaza, Gaza City that happened. And, you know, hundreds of people killed. There's a lot of speculation as to what happened. You know, Hamas blames Israel, saying it was an Israeli airstrike. Israel says that it was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that basically uh, it had some sort of mishap and that caused some explosions that, you know, basically leveled this hospital and, and killed hundreds of people. And, you know, we just really don't know what happened right now. And and unfortunately, um, no matter how much evidence gets shown as, as to what happened, people are just going to they're not going to believe it. They're going to support the side that's that they wish to support, you know. So if you're pro-Israel, uh, you're you're just going to think that it was it was a PIJ rocket, you know, no matter what evidence is shown. And then on the other side, if you're pro-Palestinian or pro-Hamas, whatever, then you're just going to believe it was an Israeli airstrike and it doesn't matter what evidence you get shown. But anyway, um, I think this question, it. I look at it differently now that this just happened. Um, yeah, this this really this really changed things. Um, and for for lack of a better term, uh, yeah, it really just fucked up the whole situation. And I think because of this, we are much more likely to see this war expand into a regional conflict. Because of this, Hezbollah has called for a, a day of rage to be held tomorrow on the 18th. Um, we're, we're seeing mass protests in the region, especially in Lebanon. No, I, I know there have been clashes with uh, Lebanese protesters and security forces outside the Israeli embassy. Actually, the Israeli embassy was actually uh, breached and stormed today. It's not clear if anybody was actually inside it at the time. Um, and then there's also been clashes right outside the U.S. Embassy, too, with more protesters on the way, thousands of people. Um, so Hezbollah, I mean, they really have free reign. Um, they can pretty much do whatever they want. If if they want to get more involved, then, then they could do that, you know, and the Lebanese government can't stop them. Um, I know... Jordan kind of wants to calm things down a little bit, and I'm sure they're sympathetic to uh, Lebanese government to an extent. I'm not an expert on their relations with those two countries by any means, but um, as far as anybody supporting the Lebanese government to a point where they could actually help them put the lid on Hezbollah, I'm not a regional expert, but I don't see that happening. Um, maybe I'm wrong. If you If you guys disagree, feel free to let me know. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. All right, third question. This is from Unbiased Conflicts. He's one of our contributors for the Lethal Minds Journal. What's the possibility this escalates to war with Iran and or Lebanon? Well, as far as far as Lebanon goes, um, again, I think that's kind of up to Hezbollah and, and what they want to do. If they get more involved, well, actually, let me back up a bit. If and when Israel launch, uh, launches a ground assault into Gaza, which I think they will. Um, it really, it depends on how Hezbollah wants to respond to that, right? Obviously, um, there's a lot of clashes going on along the Israel-Lebanon border, like I was talking about, but it's not to the point where I think Israel 
launches a ground invasion into Lebanon because I think that would be chaotic. Um, but if Hezbollah does respond with a major assault on Israel um, in the event of an Israeli incursion into Gaza, then I think Israel is, is going to have to respond in a major way. And I think I, I definitely see see a situation in which Israel invades southern Lebanon again. Um, and that will be chaotic. But, you know, at that point, uh, the Lebanese government, the Lebanese armed forces, they will they will have to try to uh, defend their country. They're just they're not going to just let Israel, you know, invade their their sovereign territory and do nothing about it. They're incredibly weak, so I doubt they could put up much of a fight. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's definitely a situation in which you get a, a wider war with Lebanon included, and uh, I, the chances of that are certainly not zero or even real near zero. I think there's there's a fairly decent chance that that happens. Not necessarily that it will happen or it's most likely to, but I certain, certainly wouldn't uh, count it out. As far as Iran goes, um, I mean, if Iran wants to get involved itself directly, the only thing I think they could really do is launch just launch missiles at Israel. Um, and I don't I don't think they'll do that because I think that's incredibly stupid, especially with two American carrier strike groups and uh amphibious readiness group, you know, right off the coast of Israel. It's just I don't I don't think Iran is stupid enough to try that. They'll they'll get bombed into oblivion if they do that. Um I think if Iran gets involved more so than they are already, because I think there's a there's a good case that they're you know, involved with Hezbollah and and Hamas and some of the actions they've taken in the past couple of weeks, right? These are Iranian proxies, so Iran at least knows what they're up to, if not outright controls it, in a sense. Um, of course, you have IRGC units in Israel. I'm sure you probably have some in, in Lebanon mixed with Hezbollah as well. I don't know if I see them getting directly involved. Again, I think that would be pretty stupid of Iran, I think really the only thing they could do to escalate this on their end is just further engage with their proxies in the region. Um, but as far as Israel directly going to war with Iran over this, I don't see that happening. I could be wrong, though. Uh, you know, interesting times we live in, so I guess we'll see. Number four, what will the next major U.S. conflict be? Taiwan, Ukraine, Mexico, Iran, or something else? I think you could pretty much throw out Ukraine. Um, I think the the level of involvement that we have right now in Ukraine, it, it really doesn't go much further than that. You know, the continuation of funding, uh, funding their government and also, um, you know, providing them weapons and ammunition. I, I really don't see us getting more involved in that. I don't really see a reason for us to. Again, could be wrong, but I'd be very surprised. Mexico. Yeah, who knows? Unlikely, as as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, we do have particularly candidates in the Republican primary who are talking about, you know, using the military, putting them along the border, right? Guard the southern border, also using special forces to take out, uh, you know, cartel infrastructure, drug cartel labs, those sort of things. And the current president of Mexico has made it clear that uh, he would not be a big fan of that. But as far as that being a, a next major conflict that we're involved in, again, I the chances aren't zero, but I think it's unlikely. Um, Taiwan, I think that's 
that's pretty likely, you know, the U.S. military is real, really gearing up for, I mean, really for war with China. I mean, that's, a, that's the simplest way to put it. And the Marine Corps and the Navy, I think, are leading the charge in that fight. Um, and I think the general consensus among, I, I guess, uh, you know, national national security observers or or whatever the hell you want to call them is that a conflict with China over Taiwan is not unlikely. And if we do get into a major conflict at some point within, let's say, the next decade, that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah, if I if I was a betting man, that's definitely what I put my money on. Um, Iran again, just like I was talking about with the last question, it's possible. I don't think Iran is that stupid. Um. Because it would not end up well for them. I don't think it would end up well for us either. Uh, we definitely, I think we take a lot of casualties too. But um, yeah, Iran, uh, Iran isn't suicidal, right? I mean, if they want to launch suicidal attacks, that's what they use their proxies for, right? But they're not going to, uh, they're not going to put their own asses on the line to to that extent. So I just, I don't see a war with Iran again. Chances aren't zero, uh, especially with the situation we have going on right now in the Middle East. Um, if we were to go to war with Iran, that's what would cause it. But again, I don't see it happening. All right, question five. Is there any hope for peace in the Middle East? Uh, short answer, no, I don't think so. Um, I think if you asked me two weeks ago, answer might have been different. Uh, I still would have said it's difficult, but yeah, maybe someday after this, after this attack a week and a half ago, no, no way in hell. Uh, yeah, not any time soon, at least. Um, you know, Israel wants blood after this attack. You know, 1,400 of its citizens killed. Certainly the worst attack against Jews since since uh, World War II, since the Holocaust. You know, they they want blood. Um, and, you know, who could blame them? Look at, look at us after 9-11, right? We wanted blood. We didn't want peace. Um, it's only natural. And then on the other end of it, you have so many people being killed in Gaza. You know, the number is well over 3,000 at this point. Most of those are just innocent civilians, um, and they want blood, too. And they have a lot of support. Both sides have a lot of international support, right? And then look at look at this explosion in the hospital in Gaza today. Hundreds of people killed, and both sides are blaming each other. And again, like I was saying, it doesn't matter what evidence you show as to as to what really happened both sides are going to blame each other and they're not going to take evidence into account it's it's all emotional responses right but it really just in my opinion changed the dynamic of this whole situation and this this conflict has so much so much potential to be a regional issue now um i mean you have protest in Jordan uh, riots, I should say, in Jordan, Lebanon, uh, protests in Tunisia, riots in Turkey, even riots in in Berlin, right? Um, I mean, people are people are pissed off now, and this completely changed the dynamic of the conflict. And then I think I personally think this torpedoed any chance at a Saudi uh, Israel peace deal, right? Which was allegedly, you know, in the final stages of happening. I mean, people have kind of been claiming that for really ever since Trump was in office, but, you know, allegedly this time it was real, this time it was really going to happen. Uh, anyway, I think that that is torpedoed. I don't think this is going to happen. And if Israel goes into Gaza, which I personally think they will, I don't see a situation in which they don't. Um, I think that puts 
that just puts the finishing touches on my theory that there is no hope for peace in the Middle East. Probably not in my lifetime, maybe even longer than that. But, hey, you know, this is a, a dynamic situation. I guess we'll see. But I, I personally see this getting much worse before it gets better, if it ever gets better. Number six, what are your thoughts on Israel's intelligence agencies being unable to foresee such a conflict? Um, yeah, I mean, really, my first thought is what the hell? Uh, Mossad has the reputation that it does for a reason. It has a reputation as one of the best, if not the best intelligence agencies in the world. And how could they not see something like this happening? Um yeah, you know, people have their conspiracy theories, right? Oh, maybe, you know, they saw this attack coming, but Netanyahu let it happen because he needed to unite Israel under one banner. Or they've been so divided in the recent months, especially when you look at the massive protests over this judicial reform bill that got rammed through. Yeah, who knows? People are going to believe what they want to believe, you know. Um, I will say that it, it's just hard to believe that they had no idea. I'll just say that it's hard to believe they had no idea an attack was coming. Egypt claims that they warned Israel three days before this happening that a major attack was imminent. Israel denied that, although I will say uh, the U.S. government did confirm that Egypt gave them that warning. So that's just something interesting to note. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just negligence, obviously gross, gross negligence plays a factor here. The extent to which Israel's security apparatus was was negligent, who knows? I'm sure we'll never know the true full story. But again, I, I find it incredibly hard to believe that they had no idea something something was coming. But yeah, maybe they just brushed it off, right? I mean, they probably thought Hamas isn't a super capable organization and, and a threat that they would be able to manage. Um and I think I think this is a big wake up call for them because I doubt they're underestimating Hamas now. All right. Next question. How many military age Iranian males have crossed the southern border this year? That's hard to tell. I haven't I really haven't been able to find a concrete number on that. Uh, this year being this calendar year, right? 2023. But what I was able to find is. Within the first two weeks of this fiscal year starting, uh, CBP has apprehended at least 30 Iranians. And of those 30, at least two of them are on the terror watch list. And then looking at the terror watch list, let's see here. There have been over 151 total terror watch list hits of people that cross, people that were uh, caught crossing. The southern border in fiscal year 2023 so that was the start of uh last october and then i was able to find a figure for illegal immigrants that were caught crossing the southern border from october 21 to october of this year and these are people that were caught coming from quote-unquote, special interest countries. So that includes countries like Afghanistan, 
Egypt, Iran, and Syria. And during those two years, at least 10,000 people were illegally caught crossing the southern border from those special interest countries. So hard to tell how many of those exactly are military-age Iranian males. Who knows? Well, hopefully DHS knows, but they don't share that information with us. But uh, hopefully that gives you kind of an answer to your question. All right, next question. How is the Israeli Markava compared to Russian or American tanks? So I'm not an armor expert by any means, but from my understanding, the Markava Mark IV, which I, I think is the newest one in active service, that is like one of the best tanks in the world, right? Uh, I could definitely compete with Russian and American tanks, if not outcompete them. Um, yet I think we're going to see how they performed here in the very near future, because I certainly expect them to play a major role in any Israeli operations into Gaza and God forbid operations into Lebanon. If that, uh, if that happens. So yeah, we'll be waiting to see, but as far as I know, they, they are a very, uh, very capable platform. All right. And last question is this, this being the Israeli Hamas conflict, the start of another prolonged war. Hard to tell. Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't think that we'll get involved too much. I know that we just prepped, I think, 2000 troops to potentially deploy in case Israel needs Technical support, that doesn't include infantrymen, right? So just support roles, which uh, kind of actually surprised me. I didn't even think we were going to get that much involved. But I don't think uh, we'll go to war necessarily, um, but it, it could very likely turn into a prolonged war with Israel and some of the armed factions that's around it, whether it be in Gaza, the West Bank. I think that's going to be a major flashpoint, which I should have probably talked about more um lebanon again always have potential armed groups in syria got to keep an eye on those and uh yeah it's it's very possible that this could turn into a prolonged war and that also really depends on how much progress israel makes in gaza once it does and again i think it will launch that ground operation into the area um if 2014 tells us anything they might get bogged down and this could turn into a long slog. And I know Israel has been trying to prepare their population for that reality. So yeah, we'll see obviously a lot of factors at play only time will tell, but I'll keep you guys as up to date as I can. All right. And that is it for our questions. I want to thank you all for listening to this and supporting our podcast and giving us some questions. Of course, all the support that you throw our way means a lot to me. You could find this on your favorite apps. That includes Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, we're there. You could find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That is all one word. We are also on Telegram, Analyze and Educate. Be sure to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Analyze Educate, ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Analyze Educate, or at Substack, analyzeeducate.substack.com. Again, all those links can be found in the show notes below. Also, please leave us a five-star rating on the app used to listen to this podcast. If you feel so inclined, that helps us out a lot as well. That's all I have for you guys right now. I'll see you soon.